but I think the main things is at the end of the day, volleyball is volleyball. It's in the same nine by nine court, and the rules are the same. So we. Uh, <laughs> is that on the back of your shirt? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's on the back of your shirt. Dude, dude, a little free shout out for you. Um, and it doesn't matter who's on the other side of the net. You need to still execute to the best of your ability if you want a chance to win. That's right, Brett Walsh. you got to execute to the best of your ability if you want a chance to win. Welcome back, boys and girls, to the 9x9, the 81 square meters of the best volleyball coverage on the internet. My name is Everett DeLorme, says Everett, as he switches his... <laughs> you got it on your back there? <laughs> Did you just say your name is Everett DeLorme? Yeah, I was I was so used to listening to you doing the intro that uh, I said my name was Everett DeLorme. That couldn't be more wrong. Uh, your name is Everett DeLorme, live from Toronto. My name is Rob St. Clair, live from Chicago. Uh, this is episode 45. It's November 29th, 2022. And Everett, stop me if you've heard this one before, but Imoko Cuneliano won the Italian Women's Super Cup. That's not exactly breaking news. Is this, is it 2018? Is it 2019? Is it 2021? How many years in a row have they won this thing? Here we are again. Uh, Cuneliano wins the Super Cup again. Another year, another trophy. We've we've talked about it the past few weeks, Rob, about how there's there's certain clubs that don't do things right. Yep. And there's certain clubs that just can't seem to get it together. And undoubtedly, no matter who they have on that roster, that organization in Canigliano is meant to win, like top to bottom. And you can tell how they build the team. You can ha- tell how they treat the team. Um, and this was just another perfect example of that. And the, so far, the start of the season has been a perfect example of that. In my opinion, they're hands down the best team still in Italy. There's been a lot of turmoil underneath them. Um, you know, a lot of teams kind of looking around, but consistently Canigliano has been the best team and they've got rosters for days. They've got different looks. They've got depth. Like, <clears throat> especially with how, like, how much turmoil is going on in the Turkish League, like I fully expect Canigliano to make a deep run in the CEV Champions League this year. And this this Supercopa win was the perfect example, the perfect statement to that, that Canigliano, doesn't matter that they lost to Gonu, they're still one of the best teams in, in the world. Yeah, I'm really interested about this Canigliano team because they're obviously the best team in Italy, but they really are peaking, starting to really play great volleyball in meaningful competitions, meaningful domestic matches, and here in the Super Cup, right before the Club World Championship, which is in about two weeks for the women, and that's going to be kind of our appetizer, where we, for the first time, we're going to get Cuneliana, we're going to get Itzaja Basha and Vakif Bank there, we're going to get a little bit of that preview of what Champions League in April and May might look like when we get there, and I'm really excited to see that, because I honestly think there's a case for Corneliano still being the best team in Europe right now. They are the only team that really hasn't been touched so far this regular season, and they've done it convincingly, and they've done it in a lot of different ways. Like you said, they have depth. Uh, They've got a lot of options on the wings. They've got four excellent options at outside hitter. Uh, Catherine Plummer was good in this match against Novara. By by the way, Corneliano beat Novara three sets to one. I mean, you got Catherine Plummer, you got Kelsey Robinson, you got Alessia Gennari, who's a really useful domestic outside hitter if you need uh, an Italian for the foreigner limit. You've got Alexa Gray, of course, who's barely even played this year because that's how deep they are at outside hitter. And they're only going to get deeper in the middle. That's a, a little bit of an area where I've wondered exactly what they're going to do. They've got a couple different characters that have rotated in and out. But if Sarah Farr can get back healthy again, 
then there that's just another piece that'll make them even scarier. Uh Yuana Volosh won won the MVP of the Super Cup. She yeah. was awesome. And Isabel Hawk, like what what weaknesses are there on this Canaliano team? I feel like we've said this uh, for five straight years. It's gonna take a really phenomenal effort from any of these Italian teams to 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 dethrone Canigliano, I think. Like the, the the gap is a lot is a lot closer in the in on the women's side than it is on the men's side. We're gonna talk about Perugia and the rest of the bedlam that is the Super Lega later, but still to like still right now, Canigliano is hundred percent the best team in Italy and they're 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 just trucking along. I do think that there's a handful of teams that have the ability to knock them off. I don't think a perfect season have they lost yet this year? No, they no, haven't. They, I, they haven't lost yet no. this year, but I, I agree with you. I don't think there's I don't a think perfect a perfect yeah. I don't think there's a perfect season in the books. There's too many good teams, there's too many good athletes. This season is 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 far too long. Um and like and we're, we're not even talking overall, like we're just talking in the the Italian league, uh, Lega Valle at, at, at the moment, they're, you know, Champions League and Club World Championships is, is is another thing altogether. One thing I have to say about the Club World Championships, though, um, our favorite tournament to hate on. How bad does <laughs> it say that the Club World Championships, the the World Championships for clubs, is a preview for the regional championships? You know, <laughs> like it's Great just point. like like kind of that 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 preseason tournament vibe. You know, it's like the preseason tournament of all the elite teams. You know, go to Brazil, get a little bit of sun, stretch your legs a little bit, get to get to see all your friends on the other good teams. And hey, you 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 you, you guys from Turkey, you guys from Italy, yeah, we'll see each other again uh, in April or May in the in the Champions League. Um, but yeah, Canigliano, <laughs> hands down the the best team. They're they're really good right now. Volage. I remember at one point you called her the best setter in volleyball and I laughed at that and I think that was dumb to laugh at that now because the way she runs this team is so efficient and like you're seeing now you're really truly seeing the magic that is volage when you're seeing how Oganu is struggling everywhere else she's struggling with Alessio Gennari uh, w- with the national team right not having the results that they're looking for she's struggling when she goes to Vakuf Blank with Ozbe Kansu so you're really starting to see like Volage is really starting to look really really good right about now that she was able to have all of that success with, with Agonu when other people haven't really been able to, been able to find that yeah I mean to just talk about this particular match a little bit more uh Corneliano versus Novara we had a comment in the chat the thing was that wasn't even Corneliano's best game and they still figured it out and won pretty convincingly and I agree uh, I wouldn't say that was Corneliano's best game I think they've got a lot more great volleyball in them and it's things like that that like you said on the onset Everett teams and clubs that are built top to bottom to be successful are built the right way have that successful and winning pedigree it's impossible to deny that Canaliano is one of those because when they get in the moments like this when they're not playing their best volleyball they figure out a way to win I mean Isabel Hawk was uh fine 19 for 44 four errors 43 percent kills that's a that's not an otherworldly stat line they had to rotate in and out a couple outside hitters a couple middle blockers uh Catherine Plummer overall was very good including in receptions so that's a promising area um and on the Novara side I mean Karakert 13 for 41 with six errors not even close to good enough they're still really struggling for a second outside hitter but that's kind of what I mean if you get into a weird sloppy match where it's a lot of out of system balls, a lot of slapping the ball around trying to get touches, Caneliano can win there. If you're talking about an in system battle where uh, Volos really has control out of the offense and she needs to get a lot of one on ones, they can, can win there. there. <laughs> they certainly can. If if they get into a serving battle, uh, I think they have the firepower to win there with Isabel Hawks jump serve and uh, Plummer, a pretty underrated server as well. They can definitely win there. There's a lot of different ways this Caneliano team can beat you. 
Yeah, this this Canigliano team is is fantastic. Can we talk about Navarro though for a second? Sure, because sure, of course. Harkert is. I think like this team has has some issues. There has been some rumors. Can we can we dive into the rumor mill real totally. quick? Yeah, because it's being rumored right now coming out of Turkey apparently that Michelle Barch is potentially looking to make a comeback to professional volleyball and is potentially eyeing going back to Navarra. She did play there. I think it was about 2019. Um, so do you think the addition of Michelle Barch to this squad, which is already really damn good, uh, makes Navarra a little bit more relevant? I definitely think it does. Uh, I think that would be a really good move. That move makes a lot of sense. Uh, Barch has been out of volleyball since the Champions League win last year with Vodka Bank. She took, I think her national team career is probably over and she was stepping back mm-hmm. from the club. But uh, I kind of like this move. It's we've, We're starting to see a handful of players do this, especially really older and established ones. Just take a step back. Don't go through the chaos of like being recruited all in the off season and wait until two or three months into the year to see where there's need and jump on a good team. I don't hate that at all. Uh, this Novara team is desperate, desperate for an outside hitter while Mackenzie Adams is hurt. And I don't know exactly how long she's going to be out for, but they need a player, just somebody at the outside who has been there before. And I don't know if Barch is really the style type that they need. I think they need more of a scorer across from Bossetti. But regardless, Michelle Barch-Hackley is a winner. And that will help no matter what team you put her on. She will certainly help uh, over this Kenya Karsasi's character who's been playing uh, been playing outside hitter for Novara, who I really know nothing about, to be honest. No. So. Uh, if, if they can if they can make that happen if if they can bring Barch in just and not even have to play her every match especially if Adams comes back uh, Novara's chances to make a run in both uh, Italy and Champions League definitely increase. Yeah, for sure. Coming in from the chat right now, NBH is a rumor. What is confirmed is that they offered Herbots a deal to come back. Now Gussie <laughs> Pussy, uh, 1995. Uh, is that like? I mean, like that's a best for for next year. But uh, if if it's yeah, true it at all. No, but, no chance they could they could do that in the middle of the year. I mean, Firenze put in all that work to get Herbots in the offseason, and Novara didn't even play Herbots most of last year. They sat her yeah. on the bench behind Nika Dalderop, and uh, oh, look at what's happening there now. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that was a big joke. I mean, I, I really don't make like the makeup of this Novara Novara team right now, um, <clears throat> especially with kind of what's happened in, throughout the 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 Italian league uh, apart from the Supercoppa, like. Yeah, Canigliano, I think it comes back to this. Canigliano is the best team, and everyone else is just going to be fighting for second place, in in opinion, unless one team can 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 bring it together. But so so far, no one has. Fair enough. Uh, let's take a look at the standings. Uh, look at a little more generally around the Lega Volley Femminile while we are here. Uh, a lot going on. Obviously, Canigliano at the top, just like Everett said, winning their. I, I checked it out. Fifth Supercoppa in a row. Uh, every nice. Super Cup tournament since 2018, Canigliano has won. Uh, let's see. So they're, they're undefeated at the top, but there's a lot going on right behind them. Uh, Malonza, as we've decided to call them, uh, the Malonza. Of <laughs> Milano and Monza. <laughs> We're going to call them Malonza, and you guys are going to have to deal with it. So just just get on board. Uh, they're a full. They're in second place at eight and one, but a full eight points behind. Now I know Canelianos played one more match, but uh, they really have separated themselves. Uh, Scandici, Novara, and Chieri, uh, those other kind of three teams in that pack of four that are that are fighting for. What's what's going to be playoff seating down the line? Uh, let's take a look at matches that happened over the weekend. Only kind of a couple notable ones that I mm-hmm. looked at, Everett. Uh, Bustor Sitio. We you talked Big about one. him 
big one. You talked about them a, a week or two ago saying, I mean, they were second to last for a while, but they're still a team that can make a run. Sure enough, they come out and beat Scandici in five. Uh, pretty impressive move there for them to jump up the standings. I haven't watched this game at all, but I'm going to be really interested to go back and watch. And I'm really going to start watching Carly Lloyd yeah. because I think that she's starting to find her rhythm again. Like she's just taken some time off from professional volleyball. She had a kid and regardless of how good you are, there's always going to be a little bit of a, of a returning process to the game. And I think that's kind of what we're starting to see here in this one, because you're starting to see that offense spread out a little bit. Like Rosa Maria isn't getting, Wait, like it's spread out a little bit more. They're not just banking on Rosa Maria any anymore, and I, I think that Carly Lord is really starting to get into the rhythm of it, of things uh, over there in Busto. Yeah, I commentated a match of theirs a week or two ago against Pinarolo, who's the worst team in the league. But uh, as Carly Lloyd is still like tried to get back into the swing of professional volleyball, like you said, she didn't start the first five maybe six games of the season uh she looked really really good in that one and i loved busto's offense and i was confused as to how they had struggled that much so far this season and sure enough uh they're they had they hit 40 percent kills as a team against scandici compared to 29 percent kills as a team for scandici like their offense overall was significantly better without a little bit of that firepower that you could argue scandici has an advantage in uh, I mean, let's see. Rosa Maria, good, 31%. That's fine. Uh, Aliche De Grati, good. Love with Armourouri, really good, 13 for 30. Um, pretty good in the middle all the way around. And 16 blocks as a team for yeah. Bustor CTO is a huge difference. That was massive. And you can see it on the, the numbers on the other side for Scandici, only hitting twenty hitting 29% as a team. And that's in, um, include uh, another but, but 13 errors and 16 blocks. That's 0% efficiency. Right? They can't even, couldn't even be positive. That's exactly 0% zero, zero uh, uh, efficiency. Like that's, that's straight up zero for Scandici. And it really looks bad on the right sides right, right now. Antropova, um, like Mingardi, not great at the beginning and then antropova not really great after that she had went like 11 for for 34 so where what should be like a very strong area of the court right now for skanji she kind of got letting them down in this one yeah another point in the chat skanji she does not have a reliable spiker who can pull them through during struggle that's basically true they, they don't they're missing that top four or five opposite in the world that very few teams have i mean hawk but but hawk egonu boscovich and then, like, past that, you get to uh, Stisiak, Karakurt sort of tier. I expected a little more about a, out of Camila Mingardi this year, uh, coming mm-hmm. over from Booster well, STTO, ironically. She just hasn't been good enough so far, and they kind of need a player like that to hit some high balls. Well, that, that, that's the thing, is that you see that she, she you don't have that, like, go-to player. And to me, like, Mingardi isn't at that quality of a, of a Boscovich or a Gon or an Isabel Hawk. But she has this like bulldog mentality to her, and right. you have so She's much fireball, else, and you have so much else quality around her. Like you have Zhu Ting and and Pietrini on on the outside. Like Pietrini is definitely in for the the serve receive there in the Italian quota, but still she's still still fantastic. You got Haley Washington down the middle. Like it, it it should be enough to open some things some things up for them. And in those tough situations, just chuck it to Mangardi because she's gonna t- take a chew at it no matter what, even if it's like ten feet off the net, right? So. That's why it's it's kind of surprising me. I know that she does kind of go. She's usually pretty good, but she does kind of go through through these uh, these things. But man, Scandici is is just an 
there's just so much, so many question marks for me for these, these the second level of teams in in the, yeah. uh, the women's league, and it's awesome. I love it. It is awesome. <laughs> the chaos is really, really fun. I agree. I mean, before we move on, we got to ask what the heck's going on with Ophelia Malinoff. I mean, she starts the first set, gets benched. Team, she plays terrible. Team just has a lot of uncertainty around the setting position. And I remember when you and Tommy did the preview for the women's league. Tommy was making the argument that he prefers Malinoff to Alessia Oro mm-hmm. in terms of the Italian national team. Yeah. Right now, it would be completely impossible to have that take. Uh, there's a lot of... She can't even stay on the court. Like, right, she can't stay on the court. What, what's going on? Yeah, 100%. I, honestly, like, I, I want to go back and, wa- and watch this one. Yeah. Uh, if everyone's got a good hookup for uh, Women's League of Volumetrics, uh, for me to check that out, I would love that. I would like that, too. Um, yeah, because... I would love to be able to watch this type of stuff from the baseline. And I know it's out there. Someone just needs to give me the access. Okay, just let us like, or even better, better volumetrics. Let's like work out a deal. Let's figure something out. Uh, but yeah, um, <laughs> regardless, um, I think this is, this is, Busto is here, is back. I think that this is going to be, they're going to be once again, a top four or five team and just makes everything even more interesting. Gotta love it. Yeah, they, they, they're, but they're going to struggle to get even into the top five. They've got a lot of ground to make up. They've got to get over Kieri, probably. Um, and speaking of Kieri, I want to talk about their match versus Malonza for a little bit, uh, if the score sheet loads. Oh, uh, yeah, there we go. Uh, Milano wins, Malonza, excuse me, wins three to one. Um, they, they finally, this might be the first time all season, Everett, that Malonza started with a lineup and stuck with it for the entire match. Ooh, that's exciting. There we How go. How about it? Uh, Stisiak on the it. left side the entire time, uh, so no need to move the outside hitters around, uh, and they still haven't even gotten Jordan Larson there yet, so uh, they finally settled on a lineup. It worked. They stuck with it for the match, and sure enough, they went a 3-1. to Okay. First of all, I'm not convinced Kieri is legit, so I don't really rank this as as being like uh like come on, look at their roster compared to everyone else's in the I top know. five. They had a like, nice start. I think they're greater know, than some of their parts, but I like, know they're not as talented. They're like know. the polished t- Chisterna of the women's side. Um but like Milano just just frustrates me. Like, how can you have Magdalena Stesiak who just put on was like on fire at the world championships and she goes eight for thirty? You know, her, like, a terrible efficiency out there. And I know we're just like, going to let her slug through it. But, like, you know, it, right? like, like, like they didn't even play fantastic. They hit 41% as a team. Their efficiency was terrible, right? Got blocked five times, nine, nine unforced errors, and they, and they still won. It's just, man. And you want to talk about blocking. Malonza has 20. Yeah, twenty blocks as a team. I mean, they're they're massive. They're probably the biggest uh, oh. average height team in the league. But twenty blocks is nuts in four. But once again, who has the least amount of blocks on the court? Ooh, the uh, biggest yeah, that... friggin' person out there. Like the the, the <laughs> most imposing person on the court has one block, and literally every single oh, even Alessio Oro has two blocks, which is one more than Magdalena. Oro, Oro had ten points, by the way. Double digit scoring for a setter is insane with six kills. Two blocks, two aces. That's nuts. That that flew oh, under the radar for six me. Six for seven attacking. Yeah, that's that's, that's absolutely crazy. So you know what? That's what's keeping him right there. That they're a monstrous team. That they block really well, and that Oro is a magician. But they've got to figure something out, right? Like at, at the end of the day, like 
like Stesiax is going to end up on the bench? Is is that what's going to happen? I think gonna, I think just, it is. I, I think it's really sad for the second straight year. I think Stesiax is going to be stuck playing out of position, and she's going to end up on the bench because Malonza did a bad job of constructing this team. It, it sucks. Like the their optimal lineup, student Jordan, as soon as Jordan Larson gets there, is obviously to play Jordan Larson, and then the other outside hitter will probably be Sila over Stisiak yeah. for both foreigners and for play style. And I don't think Stisiak's going to be playing over Jordan Thompson. So it's, it's a shame. I, I just want Magdalena Stisiak to go somewhere where she can play opposite. Let her play her position. I think they, they're, they're usually good though. Cause you have Rafael Afori and then you fully, and then you have Alessia Oro and then you have the libero, right? So then the other four can be foreigners. They could, yeah. Uh, or you could play. I mean, they've been playing Stevanovic in the middle, which is a great choice. She's been playing great. Yeah. Uh, they, they've got a, they've got a little bit of flexibility because they have an Italian setter. But uh, I think Sila right now is. A, I mean, she's certainly more of an outside hitter than Stisiak is. Oh yeah, hundred percent, man. I just don't. I just don't understand this like Stisiak outside outside like it, who who benefits from it? Nobody. It's 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 honestly like. Someone like like if it was like a fashionista lady just bought a whole bunch of clashing pieces for an outfit, but they're all the most expensive pieces, so she all wore them at the same time, even though it made her outlook, outfit look terrible. That's exactly what Monza is doing right now. Just an embarrassment of riches that don't work together. I was wondering where you were going to go with that analogy, hey, but actually I don't hate it. <laughs> it came around. It came around. Okay. <laughs> All right, coming up this weekend in the Lega Volley Femminile, uh, only a couple that jump off the page to me. One is Corneliana versus Scandici. A uh, good one there, 2 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. Uh, other than that, uh, honestly, not much. That's probably the only the only match I'm going to be tuning into. Yeah, you're probably right. There is a game tomorrow. Canigliano's taking on Maturata. That's a beatdown. Uh, That's an hour yeah. and a shower. Don't waste your time. <laughs> that is an hour and a shower. Do hour and showers happen in in pro volleyball? I feel like it's it's, sure. it's yeah. It's it's more like a, an hour and five, hour and ten. Yeah, for, like for hour and fifteen. Downs, but, but like that was yeah. a straight up like like I remember in like high school, my, one sometimes my coaches would be like, "Hey, I need to go somewhere tonight. So if you guys do this an hour and a shower, I'll get you guys a pizza party later on this week." Classic, classic high school volleyball. Gotta love it. Um, yeah. yeah. That's that's pretty much the only thing uh, to get to watch. Honestly, I'm going to be watching Firenze for the next little bit because I wasn't expecting them to kind of go on a bit of a tear and be one of those teams. I was expecting them to be the the Chieri. And I'm still hoping my expectation is going to be true. And I think those two teams are going to swap. But we'll see. Yeah, Firenze did get beat by Corneliano last Wednesday, 3-1 to one pretty convincingly. So, yeah, we'll see if Herbots and the crew can catch fire. Uh, speaking of hours and showers, Everett, I think we should move on to the Italian Men's League and okay. uh, in the form of a very ho- high-profile one. An absolute, just no-doubt beatdown last Thursday in a makeup game. Perugia, three dongs mode, no, absolutely no problem. An hour and 17 total duration. 25-17, 25-16, 25-20. They did it with Jesus Herrera as the starting opposite. Come on. Come on, Modena. W- w- what are we doing here? Why can we not even be remotely competitive against... I mean, I know Perugia's amazing, the best team in the league. Why can't Modena be remotely competitive? It's not even close. good. They're the second. There's the second place team, the Super League right now. They're just not that good. Like let's <laughs> let's be honest. Which is like absolutely nuts. I messaged Rob the other day and I was like, "Have we been taking weekly screenshots of the standings in the Super League? Because it's been like I swear to God, Modena like a week or two ago was ninth, and all of a sudden it's the second. They're in second now. Like, what is going on in the Super League? Honestly, to be honest, I don't even know why why we're talking about this. Modena is 
painfully average. They've got some really nice parts, but the fact that you have Tommaso Ronaldi out there just like weighs you down. You have so many good, you have so much good young Italian Italian talent out there, and you've got to go with Ronaldi. Like, come on, Modena. Like, you you got you got to do better. Sure, you have Lagumja who's who's been doing great, and Engapeth, but it's just you know there's there's some holes on that team. And Perugia is damn Perugia. Like we know what to expect, and they let them off the hook. Like, what can I say? <laughs> it's the best damn team in in volleyball, bar none. We just spent the past half hour gabbing about how good Canigliano is. Like, Peru just better that, than that. Like that times Way five. Better than that. Yeah, like absolutely times five. Like, if if we have a if we have a graphic right now of the standings, we should just jump to that. So we just look show at the it. absolute dominance. Let's look at it. Look how on. look at how not even close this is. Peru, not even close. Ten and zero. Modena. I mean, the next team is a five hundred team. Modena's five and five with seventeen points. And I mean, they they and Trentino and those teams have played one more match than the rest. But we're we're looking at teams with five wins. That are in second, or that are that are the next closest teams to Perugia, who has ten. They're ten and zero. They've only dropped six sets all year. They're they're perfect at thirty points. They're absolutely untouchable. And I I agree. I don't think we have to spend very much time talking about them. Uh, in fact, here, great. Yeah, they, they they beat Chisterna three to one. Great. I mean, Chisterna made like they made it interesting. The first, and I was like, "Ooh, this is gonna get spicy," and then just more, nah, more interesting did. than Modena did. Man, uh, here's a match that I absolutely do want to talk about. We talked about it on last week's show. We talked about yes. Milano. We talked about Milano with only one middle blocker almost beating Piacenza, and you could argue that they should have. Well, sure enough, they go right back out there with the same lineup configuration. No Matteo Piano, no Agustin Loser. Only Marco Vitelli is their only healthy middle blocker active on the roster right now. They go out and beat Trentino. And not only do they beat them, they beat them 3-1 to one for full points with only one middle blocker on the roster, Everett. How is that even possible? Honestly, I don't know. I haven't watched <laughs> it yet, and I really need to go back because this is, has to be one of the most intriguing matches. You have Abadapur lining up in the middle, and he goes like 15 for 30? What? So I, I, I assume that they're doing the same thing that they did in the Piacenza game, where Abadapur lines up across as the middle. He lines up across from Vitelli, but for the most part in serve reception, he... Uh, so he'll get he'll get play, replaced by the libero. Like the libero will go in for a body pour, but while a border pours in, he'll pass and attack on the left side in reception, and then block in the middle in transition. And and Mergarejo kind of does the other thing where he'll block on the left and attack in the left, but hit middle inside out. It's really weird. And uh, we have we have a comment saying Piazza is a genius in the chat. I will never say that. I think Piazza, no, never. I think Piazza never. is a stooge, but I think he deserves credit for at least piecing something together with this situation. And sure enough, getting getting this out of it. I mean, a win over Trentino is a massive deal. I can't believe this. You know what this smells like to me? This smells exactly like there's a certain school in the OUA in Ontario that always does pretty good. And everyone knows the head coach is a stooge. I'm not going to, we're not, we're not going to go into it. Uh, and he's always got amazing assistant coaches that just kind of t- like figure something out and tie everything together. That's what this feels like for Milano for me. You know, that Piazza was just probably tearing out his non-existent hair in the boardroom one day, being like, what are we going to do without our middles? And then their assistant <laughs> coach just comes out and just goes like, this is what we're going to do. And it was just so complicated that Piazza's like, okay, we do that. 
and like this and and this is what they're going for but like that this is that's what this this smells of me and i'm gonna start this conspiracy theory because you know me i cannot i can never admit that piazza is doing something good and he will forever be <laughs> up there of the, the king stooges tearing out his non-existent hair that, that that's that's going in the nine by nine hall of fame as well uh yeah trentino i mean this trentino team constructed the way they are should not lose matches like this you should no. not lose to a team with less talent, with a way worse setter, and with only one middle blocker. That just should not happen. I mean, Lisa Notch and Pedrosinin should just feast. They should absolutely feast. And Lisa Notch did. Pedrosinin did not and can't even block any balls. Uh, Trentino not serving well. They're not passing well. They're not attacking well enough. And, I mean, maybe it's, it's weird. You're getting a different look against this Milano team with only one middle blocker. I mean, obviously, they're doing weird stuff. Be better than that. Don't play down to the level of a team with scrambled parts. Be Trentino. Be better than that. I was surprised by this. Fortunately, they righted the ship today in Champions League, which we'll talk about. But this is a crazy one. A very weird, very weird head scratcher for Milano to win this match. Honestly, I honestly just want to chalk this one down to just an off match for, for Trentino. You know, when we talk about a quality roster, we talk about a quality team and a quality organization, Trentino is up there with the best of them. That's why they've gone to -to back-to-back Champions League finals with rosters that could be questionable to to get there comparing to to some of their opponents, right? Like, that's why they've been consistently, as long as I've followed professional volleyball, Trentino has been a good team. And year in and year out, you're kind of like, "Mm, they don't necessarily have it. Like, they've got 35-year-old Matej Kaczynski second in the league in scoring right now, for for goodness sakes. And, I mean, we've got uh, someone in the chat saying, like, we were too high on Mikaletto a year or so ago. I don't think so. He's still in the top 10 of scoring right now, higher than Lavia, who was fantastic and and one of my favorite players for, for this entire season. So I think this is just one-off match for for Trentino but really big ups to to Milano to, for figuring this one out yeah I agree I think that's pretty well said uh, we'll see how long Milano can carry this weird system until they can get one of their two actual middle blockers back or if maybe they try out and hit the tr- try and go out and hit the transfer market because you can't keep this up forever with only one middle on the court uh, speaking of teams with lots and lots of middles on the court ever we got to talk about this one uh, one of the bangers of the weekend and a much more conventionally played match between two supposed powerhouse teams lube chivinova mounts a very late comeback from down what was it eight to 12 and fifth yeah 12 oh, no. eight and, and once and again beats piacenza 15 13 in the fifth set talking about okay this is gonna be the theme for today teams who do it right and yep. teams who don't do it right. You've got one team who's got a questionable roster with a bunch of young names that has been hot and cold this year. On the other side, you have a roster that on paper should probably compete for the title, should probably compete at, at the Champions League level, and yet has just been puttering along, dropping a fo- like, Like, you needed less points to win than you dropped. That's so embarrassing for Piacenza. And once again, Lube has a winning culture. They do things right. They don't have the the guys right now, but they still get the job done on some nights. Piacenza, not a winning culture. You know, couldn't shoot a fish in the barrel if they tried. I mean, that's exactly it. It, It's crazy how how year over year rosters change, and they change so much in volleyball. We have all these crazy off-seasons with brand-new teams year in and year out, but the same clubs are good. And it's not just about buying the best roster. There is something, too, at the top levels of the club and the culture of the club being successful or not. And this new, this rebranded or rather 
completely recreated Piacenza franchise as of a couple years ago that came in with a bunch of money has not figured it out yet. Uh, I think that Bernardi deserves a lot of the blame because he's a clown, and we've been saying this for years, especially when he coached Perugia. He, he, God, he figured out excuses to take Aaron Russell off the court. I'll never forgive him that for that. But there's, there's something about this Piacenza team that makes them less than the sum of their parts. I don't understand what that is other than the coach and just the team is who they are. I mean, there's, there's, there's one thing that I see, and I, I, I watched this match, and I've been in a, in a world like soccer World Cup haze recently, so my volleyball and watching has been a little bit less sad on my Canada team not to, not moving through. Congratulations to your American team. They just qualified. Um, soccer but, sucks. A- We're not talking about soccer. <laughs> soccer is the stupidest but, sport on earth. I watched the but, USA versus England game. Complete waste of two hours of my life. I refuse to talk about soccer. Move on. Okay, well, then like this is one of the few games I, I did watch this weekend. And Piacenza has all of like they just do everything without passion they just do everything without that like gusto you can just tell there's a bunch of boys sitting around being they know they're good and they're just like why are we doing better like they're they're not getting the the job done they just don't have that one guy to kind of pull them together which is so weird because that's always what i see robert landy simone as but he just hasn't been that guy for piacenza and he just doesn't have that that counterpart you know, that, that bizarre Simone uh, vibe just isn't working as the, the classic the Checo Simone vibe. Like, Simone didn't play in this match, to be fair. Uh, I'm not exactly sure why, but he didn't dress. We saw Romy Alonso, another Cuban, who played awesome. He went 13 for 16. So uh, that, that, that certainly bears repeating that, I mean, 13, 15 in the fifth, maybe Robert Lamy Simone makes that difference. We're talking about this otherwise. But uh, this Piacenza roster, top to bottom, is better than Lube's right now. Uh, but 100%. sure enough, Lube has the the parts and the experience and to throw together something weird and make it work. I mean, Marlon Yant, pretty good. Ivan Zaitsev started at opposite and was really good. That's a really nice luxury if they can do that because it, it takes away some of their problems with the foreigner limit, allows Bartlemichin and Yezi to be awesome, which he was. Uh, so Lube has been a roller coaster ride. We've talked about them a lot, but I agree with you. I think when you put these two teams in this situation, Lube is going to win almost every time based on pure experience and culture and being greater than the sum of their parts, whereas Piacenza is completely the opposite. Yeah. We're, we're getting in the chat too, that Simon Pizan just doesn't work. And I, 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 it's so true, but there's just such a slight difference in, in the way they play the game. And Brizard, even though he is very, he, he's very creative and he's, he has that flair for the dramatic and it works really well within the French system, it's still a very intricate system. And you still have like middle blockers who are there always on time. And I'm not saying that Simon isn't on time, but it's just, it's just a different, it's different than setting Chenignesi and any of these guys. You just need to kind of chuck it up to him. We just, I don't know. It, it just hasn't, it hasn't been there. It hasn't been there quite yet. But we're also seeing is Dijorgi. Like, is he on the market? So is, is I, FA, I, like, I think there's a thing in Italy, at least there has been, where they don't allow the coach of the national team to coach club. I don't, I don't exactly know the details. I would like one of our Italian friends in the Discord to, to give me some more insight on that. But uh, I know that's been a topic of conversation. So they're, no, correct, DiGiorgi is not coaching, coaching club right now. Uh, mm-hmm. I bet that if he were available, a team like Piacenza would love to replace Bernardi with him. God, that would be a massive upgrade. But I, I'm not sure if that's possible. I think there's something more to that. Yeah. Okay. I'm just, you know, going off of, from the chat because, man, Piacenza needs to figure something out. And 
And you know why I really want them to figure something out? Because my fear is that you have this sponsor. And, and I, I don't know who, like, Blue Energy, I forget. But, like, PHNs has been one of those up-and-down clubs. And if you have a sponsor, they're not just going to throw it away on all this money on a team that isn't winning. So if you're going to spend money, I want the good teams to win right. so that these right. sponsors continue to spend more money. Right. And, you know, it's, it's not a wasted investment because that's that might be what it is right now. Yeah, that's important. So uh, I hope Piacenza figures it out. I mean, if, if I were them, I would have fired Bernardo years ago. I think that's the easiest fix. Uh, let's move on. Uh, there was a team that we were talking about the last couple of weeks. Could they go out and win a big match against a good team? That is Verona. And we said that they had a test this past weekend against Modena, which they failed. Modena beats Verona 3-1. to one. And uh, like you said just earlier, as we were talking about Modena getting clowned on by Perugia, Modena is honestly pretty darn average. And it's a team that I would really like Verona to start being able to beat. And in this one, they couldn't. Uh, terrible, terrible passing numbers for Verona all the way around uh, was problem number one. That's going to be the problem with Verona. Yep. Right? Like, you can't rock out there with Nemkeda and Rock Mozic on the left side, especially since you're a lib. Who, who's your lib in this one? Like Gagini is the Verona libero's Gagini, name. He's like, average. He's painfully average, yeah. right? Like, you need to be rocking. Like, honestly, Verona might, like, would maybe benefit going to get a foreign libero. Like I know that's almost blasphemous to no, say. No, they, they can't afford one. I know they. I know they can't they afford it. Maybe do is take either Giulio Magalini, who's one of their younger outside hitters, or hear me out on this one. Put Gord Perrin in the other color jersey. Put Gord Yo. Perrin in the other color jersey. That's going to be a foreigner limit problem, but they can handle that. They can put Spirito and both Italian middles in there. Maybe. Just maybe that is what that serve reception unit needs. And sure enough, uh, Perrin came in for Keita in the fourth when he couldn't really hang in serve reception. Uh, Modena did a very good job of targeting Keita as much as they could. 8% perfect passing, 12% positive is not even close to good enough. Perrin comes in. I think they should, I probably should have made that move a little earlier. The I if if I mean, I'm biased, obviously. Gord's my boy. <laughs> Gord's but... the man. I loved meeting him over the summer. He's a great guy. Yeah. Awesome, awesome dude. And uh, I think, you know what, he's a little bit of an older guy. Just let let him get in there. Let him get his legs underneath him. Like, he's a vet. He's been there. He's been to two Olympic Games. He's played in Russia. He's played in Brazil. He's played, like, in Poland. He's played around the world. Just let him get there. Let him, like, like let your team settle in from the get-go with him on the court. Try out that look from the beginning and see how your off offense settles in. You can have Gord take legitimately half the court in passing because he's six foot seven and has a massive wingspan and can pass legitimately half the court. Push the rock uh, out, like like, and it's not even like the rock is a very is he would I would say is an above average passer, and we've yeah. seen that consist consistently, especially like when when. Early in the season, when this team was winning big games, they were bringing in Gord, and the the serve receivers going, the serves were all going to rock all of a sudden, and they were passing decent enough to to run the offense. I just don't know, like they have this like this this grand idea that Namuri Keita is going to go from being a right side in Korea to being a an outside in in Italy, and it's just absolutely absurd. Get the get get the boy in there, get the man from Creston, BC, in there, and let him just hack away because he's basically a lumberjack, and that's what we do. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I, I 
there's a couple things to this. One, you made a great point about Mozic becoming the serving target because and that's important because when Keita's in there, he's the serving target. Even if Mozic does a black pass, hole, he's a black hole. He's depends on the match. This one, obviously, he was very, very bad. Uh, but when you take him out and you shift the serving target to be Ruck Mozic, that's a role that he's used to. He's used to being targeted all the time and still hitting fifty percent. Like that's 100%. that's his thing. That totally changes the opposing service strategy when you don't have a glaring target like Namori Keita in there. Um, so I, I agree. I think that that Keita should have a little shorter of a leash on the left. I also wouldn't hate to see him a little bit on the right. I mean, we talked about Maxim Sapozhkov early on in the year being a seven foot two or however huge he is. He's a giant. He was unstoppable. His but numbers have. His numbers have definitely cooled down. Sure enough. I mean, everybody else kind of figured him out. So I might like to see a little bit of Kate on the right side where we thought that he was going to be coming into the year. I mean, to me, it just like you got so far with, with rock being one of your guys and just feed him so many balls last year. And, And like how many scoring, like scoring leaders do you need? Right, like you've got a potential scoring leader in the Rock, you got a potential scoring leader in Saposhkov, you got a potential scoring. Like, how many guys putting up like double digit, like like outside points? Like, do you need? Like, the, there just needs to be some role. Like, I think if they just brought in Gord from the beginning, let them settle in, and then let Namuri Keita and Maxim Saposhkov just battle it out on the right side, I'd love to see that. I think it'd be awesome. Let's let and, the, and just let the, the start putting up five point games again. Like, yeah, you have you have there's only one ball to use a basketball term or even a football term, like with a lot of playmakers, a lot of guys who can, who demand the ball and can put up those kind of numbers. There's only one ball to give them. So uh, maybe there a little bit of reorganization of the offense could do work there. Uh, Got to give Moden a little bit of credit. They passed the ball. Great. Uh, better than I've seen most of this year. Uh, they served really well. Their ACE to error ratio, eight to 15 is outstanding. And obviously they're targeting Keita, targeting the right guy. And with the exception of Tommaso Rinaldi, who's like, below average in every area i thought their offense looked pretty good so uh great good job modena uh, you're second in the league right now i mean look at these standings again this is absolutely bananas <laughs> five, five and five five and five five and four five and four five and four and then three four and four. five teams like other than the three teams at the bottom toronto padova and siena everybody Toronto? else toronto's not bad but they're only and they're only eight eight points behind Modena with a game at hand. Yeah, that's crazy. That's right. Like they, they, there is there is nothing separating this field right now. And even Siena was able to get in there with a, a loss, a, a win over Cisterna, who's like a questionable team at, at best. No ideas what's what's going on over there uh, in Rome with Cisterna. But yeah, like like Modena though, you know, once again, there's teams that do it right, and there's teams that don't do it right. And while Modena doesn't have the roster they still do it right right that's right. still a, 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 an organization top to bottom that does things right and they're going to they're going to feast on teams like Verona that have no idea the identity and are just trying to put a bunch of bazookas on the court without uh you know without any any support out there so Yep. So the other matches from this weekend, uh, Monza, Three Dongs, Padova. Uh, sure enough, Padova, after two crazy upsets to start the year, they are who we thought they were. They are second to last in the league. I don't think we need to say any more about that. And then uh, Taranto beats Siena, a big one that maybe could have relegation implications. But looking at the standings again, uh, Siena has has played two less matches than everybody else. So they had a Lube match postponed and then one other one that got moved back for some reason. So they've got some matches to catch up on. So, I mean, really nobody is out of the playoffs at this point. Obviously it's really early, but uh, Siena, Padova, Taranto, they could, 
beat a couple teams and grab spots nine or eight maybe and all those other teams like from spots really nine through two any of them could get the two seed at this point it's absolutely insane yeah it's crazy i love it yeah it's i love i I love the chaos of it all I'm interested to see if anyone once that 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 like winter transfer window opens up briefly. I'm wondering anyone upgrade. Like, is anyone going to make any moves to to kind of tweak anything? Like, no one seems to be missing anything quite yet. So I, I'm not entirely sure, but it's it's gonna it's gonna be awesome. I, I think this season is gonna unfold fantastically. Let's just let Perugia run away, and then everyone brawl at the bottom. I love it. Yeah, let's let Perugia run away, and just just to put it on everybody's radar now. Think about it this way. As you're talking about playoff seeding in the Super League, obviously it's one versus eight, two versus seven, three versus six, four versus five. But then more importantly, it's the winner of that four five series that will play Perugia in the second round. You do not want to be seed four or five. But what about Pietro? Like, what about if we started the, the playoffs today, right? What if we started the playoffs today? It would have a Perugia Piacenza first round, which would honestly be like having the Lakers the eighth seed right now. It would be fucking amazing. Oops, sorry. I don't know if we can swear on this show. We haven't talked about that. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that would be outstanding because you know Piacenza would get it. Piacenza would give you a glimpse. P- there would be a few games in there where Piacenza was like, "This is the best team in the world." Not while not while Bernardi's the coach, you're not going to get that. But oh, uh, no, they would get, they would figure it out. You're telling me that Brizal and, and Simone and, and and all those guys like, come on, not against Perugia, get real for here. a game or two, a game or two. I'm not talking about in the, the series. I'm not talking about when them winning the series. But you know, at least one, at least one, they're looking nice. And then they'll get smoked the rest of the time. All right. Absolutely. Coming up coming up this weekend, uh, let's see. Lube versus Milano on Monday. Why is there a Monday match? That's weird. Uh, Milano versus Lube on Monday. Uh, that's maybe Milano does the one middle blocker thing again. Verona versus Siena. Not much there. Piacenza versus Cisterna. Monza versus Modena. Trentino versus Padova. Perugia versus Taranto. Uh, not all that good of a weekend, but... With all the chaos going on in the middle, a couple, I bet a couple of those matches will go five and produce some fun stuff. So uh, obviously we will catch up on that on next week's show. Everett, I think we got we got to move on. Uh, you want to talk about Champions League? Yeah, absolutely. You want to do a quick ad real quick first? Yes, let's do that. Uh, are, are we still doing the sale on that volleyball store? We're st- or are we back? We're to still we're, no, we're still we're still people are oh. buying things, and as long as people are buying things, like I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it going, right? Why not? Like it, it's it's the holiday cheer. It's Black Friday. It's Cyber Monday. It's Volleyball Source Tuesday. Um, so, yeah. So, head over to volleyball sto- that volleyball.store for 25% off of your entire order. You can use the code YEAR1, all one word, all caps, and you get 25% off everything. This shirt here. Sorry, we don't have any cool polos like uh, uh, Mr. Rob is, is wearing uh, over there. Uh, and... Uh, I was I was actually showing some Rob some some new stuff that's potentially coming in uh, on the pipe work pipeline uh, uh, coming in the f- near future. So oh, head over to that volleyball that store, um, make a purchase, and uh, yeah, look cool. Yep, uh, hit up that volleyball that store. Also, uh, if you missed last week's show, uh, the Nine by Nine now has its own dedicated dedicated Instagram account. So go follow at Nine X Nine Volleyball. Uh, we've gotten a couple responses about people who we want to bring on to help us produce produce or edit some of our content and get it in more places on the internet so but we're still always willing for more people to help so if you like the show if you're kind of social media savvy or content savvy or you just want to come on and get on board with us and help out create some stuff uh let us know either dm that instagram account at 9x9 volleyball or dm on us on 
our Instagrams yep. or or Discord or whatever. We're, we're uh, definitely looking absolutely. for some help. Especially like if you're someone who's in college, university, you're looking for like a little bit of money. Uh, you know, we don't make a ton of money off of this, aka very little. But you know, there's there's a little bit of, to spend in the budget now. So hey, we can help keep some food on your table if you help uh, keep our Insta- Instagram feeds rolling. Yep. So uh, let us know if you would like to help with that sort of thing. All right, let's jump back into some volleyball. Uh, Everett, there was a big match in the CEV Champions League today on the men's side. Uh, we're back to Champions League. Of course. Uh, it was this one. It was a rematch, rematch. baby. Let's go. Rematch of the last two Super Finals matches between Zaxa and Trentino. And this time it is Trentino that uh, gets a, just a little bit of revenge. Uh, they beat Zaxa at home three sets to one. Uh, Alessandro Micheletto in this one was awesome i think let me put the stats i think it was like 71 percent. yeah 71 percent kills 17 for 24 with four errors that's incredible uh passed the ball great plus four aces uh he looks like that top five player in the world that we were hyping him up as last year today and that was kind of nice to see because uh he's he is the comment in the chat said earlier he has dipped off a little bit from that trentino right now is better than zoxa i, I want to make that very clear zoxa has some dope serious serious roster problems they're missing both of their starting middle blockers obviously norbert huber still coming back from the achilles he'll be back in a couple months but we haven't seen david smith for two or three weeks uh minor injury there he didn't play in this one so it was dimitro prashitsky and then some other some other middle this tomash kalemka character who i had never seen before and those two against lisa notch and padrashanin is a complete mismatch so we gotta put that out there yeah, absolutely. I mean, I will have to say, Podraskinin has been, and I wanted to say this when we were talking about them earlier, he's been just looking a little slow to me yeah, recently. I agree. Lushniach is still looking crisp. He's still dominating. Podraskinin, uh, not so much. But to be honest, this result, not a surprise whatsoever. If you've been following Zaxa whatsoever, um, you know that they're just not the same team. And I know that statistically, Trentino might not be, like, I think at this point in the season, they might be statistically worse than they were the past couple, even though the roster-wise, their, their rosters weren't supposed to be as good. Um, but like this Trentino team is, is still one of the best teams in the world. And I think we're really seeing that the quality in Italy this year, you know, not so much, uh, not so much in, uh, with Zaxa, like Semenyak going to Perugia was a, was a huge loss for them. And they just didn't, they just didn't get anything in, in return for him. And that's, that's honestly their biggest issue that, 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 that hole on the left side, how bad is it? that we were talking about it in the discord today that Garrett Magutia is now <laughs> going to play Indonesia and he turned down Zaxa cause they weren't going to give him enough money. Yeah. Garrett. Allegedly. They- allegedly. That is completely insane. As somebody brought it up earlier, how we have to laugh at Garrett Magutia going to play in Indonesia, which is the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. I thought him, I thought him playing in Egypt last year was embarrassing enough for a guy on the world championship roster, but Indonesia is just insane. And, don't even want to talk about it anymore. I want to take a look at this match on more of a macro level because we can dig into the stats or we, we can we can look at some of these things in more detail about this matchup because we're going to see it again. I want to put a couple things out there. One, again, Zaxa missing both middles. But just to put it on everyone's radar now, I, I there was one notable rumor that, that is kind of more of an overarching theme that I want to bring up. Think about Everett, the, the, the level of a couple of the superstars that are playing in China this year, right? Osmani Wantarena, Thomas or Thomas Jeschke, Bartosz Bednors immediately come to mind, at least at the outside hitter position. You've got a couple more, Mitch Stahl, Max Holt in the middle. Uh, there's there's some talent playing in China. That mm. season ends at the end of January. Mm. You'd better believe 
that some of these teams, if they have the budgets to do so, are going to go out and try and get some of those guys when the Chinese league season ends. And, and a rumor that was posted all over the place was Osmani Wantarena to Zaxa when that when the Chinese season ends, which would be completely insane just to think about Wantarena playing for a, a Polish team. But I, I, would, I think that Bednors, of all people, what, like, would, this would be a no-brainer. Come on. Like, Zaxa, you could get a two-for-one. Come on. Go pick up Bednors and Wantarena. Because guess what? Your foreign Olympic can, can handle it. And you can, you're, not, you're telling me after two Champions Leagues, you don't have the budget to bring in two guys like that? Like, come on. They've already just got paid in China, too. Right? Like, I think they, I just think they need one. I, I think, or Thomas Jeschke, who I think, as far as play style fit, would be the best of the three. Thomas uh, Jeschke, I, I feel like he's one of the most shafted men in, in men's volleyball. You know, very, like, very, very underrated and has had very horrible, and has I had horrible he had a, injury luck in his yeah. career. Zoxa, go get yeah. one of those guys. Go get Juan Terena, Bednors, or Jeschke. If you want even a remote chance to contend in Poland and in Champions League, go get one of those guys. I know you can do it. I'm talking to you right now. Go get one of those guys. It'll make the, the, the whole scene of volleyball in, in early 2023 way more entertaining. Go do it. Yeah, it absolutely would. Like, Just go make a run. Like they, They're going to need it in, in the, that Polish league. JW starting to show cracks, right? Losing their their first match of the season now, and uh, yeah, like I think Zaxa, like Zaxa is the the perfect like once again teams that do it well. Zaxa is a club that does it well. They're not like they're not the best. They're not the highest uh, the budgeted club in in Poland, right? They're not out there like Rosovia spending money and and in all of this stuff. And I think Scraw does that a little a bit as well too. And Zaxa, you know, they 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 do well for themselves. And if they could just pick up one more piece, you know, this team would just be that much more lethal. Right, and they really could make a run because, like you said, uh, yeah, Shems- <laughs> yeah, Zaxa get Taylor Sander. Yeah, right. Sorry, that's, that's, that's not going to happen. Uh, let's let's talk about Yashemsky a little bit because there was another pretty good Champions League match today. That's JW beating Friedrichshafen three to one. This match was surprisingly close. Uh, Friedrichshafen blew it in the second set. I got to say, uh, thirty-two to thirty, I believe, was that score that Yashemsky won. Thirty-one thirty-three. Oh man. Uh, way too many service errors. There were a lot of serves missed, a lot of missed opportunities that Friedrichshafen could have, I mean, just straight up stolen a point right there because they took the first. But sure enough, uh, JW capitalizes on that and then steps on their throats the rest of the match uh, to remain perfect in Champions League. Uh, we can talk about this one a little bit, Everett, because I'm actually kind of liking this Friedrichshafen team, but it will segue it into uh, JW losing their first match of the year after that. Well, I mean, here's a th- Matchup in general is perfect for Lebedu. Like this is a Lebedu classic where you like, I'm going to go get a team that shouldn't compete with this team to compete with this team. And that's always what I found to be Lebedu's like best, best thing at to take a team that's like maybe down here and get them competing up here, but not necessarily taking a team that's up here and bringing them to be up here. Right. Yes. Like, I, I still think he's pretty good at that, and he's still one of the best coaches in the world and has that ability. But mostly, let's take a team that's not so great. Let's bring some structure around. Let, let's play within a system that's going to be able to beat this this other team. And I think that's exactly uh, what happened in this in this one for, for, for Friedrichshafen. And this is why this is a team that I think will do decently well at Champions League, or at least have a good showing like they do in this one, but then maybe fall flat a little bit in the Bundesliga. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Friedrichshafen and kind of Levedu's personality as a, clo- as a coach is that to punch above his weight class. And he almost landed one here. We got that first set, 25-18. I turned it on and was like, 
what's what's going on here? Is is JW really fallen off that hard that quickly? Uh, they figured it out. I do kind of like the way this Friedrichshafen team is built. They've got a lot of like fringe national team guys at every position, with except for Dejan Vincic, who I actually don't even like that much at the setter spot. Uh, otherwise, they're they've got a, a couple guys who see a little bit of national team time and. But their play styles and their cohesiveness, I actually kind of like. And we talked about Andre Brown a couple weeks ago. How good is that boy playing? What did he have, like nine blocks in a match the other day in the Bundesliga? Yeah, he had nine blocks this weekend, came through with another good day today. He went seven for ten, added another three blocks out there. The boy is just doing work. As as I've said before, you know, we don't need to get into it again. Fun to watch, hard worker. Love to see him have all, all the success, and he deserves every single ounce of it. Yep, I agree. And uh, we've said several times now, Jashemsky here rebounding from their first loss of the year. Let's talk about it. Uh, a very random one. Like, we didn't have our eyes on this, but it was kind of similar to last year, like the Corneliano win streak that all of a sudden they randomly lose a match to Firenze that no one expected. Similar thing here. Now, there is an important caveat, and someone pointed this out in the chat, that this was Jashemsky's second match in 48 hours, including travel from one edge of Poland to the other. So that definitely sucks. Uh, but you got to beat Kuprum Lubin. They're terrible. W- what is the team of Yashemsky's talent doing and, and depth losing to Kuprum Lubin regardless of situation? That's, that's a head scratcher. You shouldn't lose matches like that. And there's no more undefeated teams in Poland anymore. I mean, I think this is one of those things that you happen, especially in a league like Poland, where you're playing often. You know, like Poland is the closest thing that we have to a North American schedule. Right. right. Where right. you're playing any night of the week, you're not playing on a consistent basis, you know, like mid mid games weeks or mid uh, week games in Italy are basically unheard of. Yeah, that never happens, any, especially in this year. So so I, I do think that's, that this is one of those things that's just going to happen to a team. You know, I think, you know, you say it's it's not a, a that much travel within 48 hours. I'm, I'm going to give him a pass for it. I'm feeling generous today. This is the second pass that I've given today. <laughs> hey, you really handing them out for free, eh? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't even need to dig into the numbers much here. Uh, Yashemsky's efficiency, uh, attack efficiency surprisingly low. Cooper played out of their minds. I mean, I give him a lot of credit. Uh, Ilya Kovalov looks awesome in, in that one anyway. But this was probably bound to happen. I mean, it's very difficult, especially with the Plus Liga scheduled the way it is, to go undefeated. I still think that JW is the best team. Uh, but of all the matches they were going to lose their first one, this one I did not expect. Was it at home or was it at was it in Kuprum? Uh, had, had to be. Had to be on the road. I wonder if it'll tell me that. Uh, just because like I'm that's that's my guess. You know, you show up like like sometimes like you know, Rob, you've played. Like sometimes you Oh no, it was at home. It was at home. Oh, it was at home. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, then that's that's a little less. That's that's a little worse. Um, because you know, sometimes you just roll up to an opposing team's barn and you just like you're just like, man, I just really it's just I just don't have it today. And then they just start rolling, and then that like one little section of fans that they probably have just start like gets going and they get their flags going and and, and whatnot, and then you can just feel all the momentum and it's just everything in the world's against you. But if you're playing at home, it's a little different. Yeah, that's, no excuses. Uh Yashemsky is better than Kuprum Lubin, but whatever. They were gonna, probably going to lose a match eventually. Uh, they're still at the top of the league. Speaking of the Plus Liga, let's look at the standings. Uh, it's so so small on the screen. I need to pull it up somewhere else. We'll talk about some other Plus Liga news in just a second, but now it's a little tighter at the top. I mean, Rosovia and Xavierce both very much in striking distance of first. 
uh, four points behind and only one game behind in terms of win loss. Zox is up there. A lot of competitive stuff going on. And uh, of course, the fighting Jake Haynes is Bielsko Biawa in firmly in relegation position right now. Yeah, I mean, I think they're they're going to be there. Uh, unfortunately for uh, my boy uh, Dontsonowski uh, on that team, but man, if you look at this Zovetchi team right now, what is it? Eight in a row, seven in a row that that they've won. They are on a roll. At yeah, the they're hot, and, they're and very, they've very hot. they've been trucking along. You know, big win against Rosovia last week. Followed up with a nice little three donger against uh, Warsaw Forshova, who uh, fired their coach uh, this this week as well. So I mean, I think that Vierce is definitely a team up there. That that top four in in Poland this year, spicy. I like it. Yeah, pretty darn good. Uh, that's a really good top four. JW Rosovia, Zavierce, and Zox. Uh, I like that top four a lot. Oh yeah, you talked about Warsaw firing Roberto Santilli, uh, and that wasn't actually the only. Plus League of Firing this week. Uh, also, Charney Rodham fired Jacek Navrowski. Uh, and good for him. He doesn't have to bother coaching Uncle Mo anymore. Uh, and Rodham's terrible anyway. So they get rid of the former. I, th- I think he used to coach the Polish women's national team, if I remember right. But, yeah, uh, I think not that one, is the guy. Yeah, not yeah. one, but two coach firings this week in the Plus League. And it wasn't even the Scra guy who, a couple weeks ago, I thought they might fire their coach. Uh, Scra played a pretty good match against Zaksa, by the way, to previously elite level programs uh, maybe that might not be the case anymore uh zoxa won that one in five uh so scraz coach uh, congratulations joel banks you are not the first coach fired in poland this year amazing love that <laughs> all right that's the plus liga uh, let's let's see what's going on this weekend anything good uh rosovia versus stalnissa that's okay scra versus jw uh, Zaxa versus Rodham, that's a beatdown. Zavierce versus Lviv, that's probably a beatdown. So uh, I don't see really much that jumps off the page at me. But uh, yeah, if you want to watch some Polish matches, join the Volleyball Source Discord, get in that Poland channel, and we'll try and help you out with some links. Um, one more thing, uh, speaking of European matches ever, we got to talk about this. Uh, did you watch this? Did you watch this game? This German game between game. Berlin and Lundberg? It was Ooh. oh, it wow. was absolutely unreal. Yeah, you're looking at that score at the bottom uh, thing there. 27-25, fifth set. Yep, that's it, not a typo. That was Berlin beating Lundberg 27-25 in the fifth one. I, I had a feeling this match was going to be fun, and I try to watch Lundberg games because they're a really fun team. Um, this is the German Cup is a weird tournament because it goes much, much, much like. It's it spread out much longer. It has like different periods throughout the year. So this wasn't a Bundesliga regular season game, but I thought it might be Berlin's first loss in Germany of the year. And it was so close. So, 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 close. so close. Lundberg was so close, but uh, Berlin gets it done. Yeah. 27, 25 in the fifth is maybe as deep a fifth set as I've ever seen. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. Yeah. I mean, if I can remember it correctly, there was a lot of Berlin service errors in that uh in that fifth set that kind of kept not necessarily kept Lundberg in it um but man it was it was back and forth and that Lundberg team is it's it's and it's it's funny uh over the weekend um Gage and Joe did an interview with Bounce House uh, yeah. in English uh and it's it's pretty good if you if you go check it out and they're talking about how this this team has like just a university college feel because you got so many North Americans and even the guys who aren't North American are, are, are all younger. And this, this Lundberg team is, is fiery. It's, it's going to be really fun to watch them in the CEV cup. I think that's really where it's, it's going to get, 
is, is going to be big. I think they're playing um, Gronigan, like Kurgis, in, in the next round of the CEV Cup, if, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's right. They're, uh, yeah. He's got another American, my boy Ryan Coonan. Shout-outs to him. Uh, they're, they're and, uh, and and another Canadian in, in Jacob Kern, so, which right. is another, it was another TWU guy, and you, you've got two of his, his boys there. So that you know that matchup is just going to be a full-on gong show in the CEV so once again I, that's why I love it but yeah this Loonberg team spicy to watch Jordan, Jordan Ewart the more I watch the more I think he needs gotta to gotta get him just, in the national team Jim man like, what the, are we the, doing the fact that you, yeah like him versus Cody Kessel oh I would go with Jordan Ewart all day no slight whatsoever to Cody Kessel he's a player that I've, I've watched for a long time I've always enjoyed watching I've always thought for a while he was underrated I'm so happy to see the success that he's had and spend the time in the national team that he's had but I think it's time for some new blood in there. And Jordan Ewart, he's fast, he's dynamic, he's got a good arm on, arm on, arm on him. His passing needs to get a little bit better, but man, he's 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 some good stuff. And I'd love to see him in that like four or five slot for for the USA. Yeah, me too. Uh, so you mentioned the CV Cup, Everett, and I wanted to bring this up because the, the CV Cup is going on pretty much every week, and it's not nearly getting the coverage that it deserves because it is a very, very fun tournament. It's much more cutthroat because it's just like bracket rounds. You play home and away, and that's it. It's like the classic two-match CEV thing where there can be a golden set. There's a bunch of good matches this week. They're into the quarter or the eighth finals by now, so I think there are 16 teams left. Here's, here's a, something really weird. Modena, I mean, one of the best, te- one of the most historic teams in Italy, is going, uh, I think, tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow to Arkas Izmir in Turkey to play the CEV Cup. That's Adis Lagumja against his little brother. That's, there's, there's so against many. Against the team that, that built him, right. you know, like. There's so much going on there. There's no broadcast for that match. Nobody is streaming this game. And including like Lundberg versus Groningen, like Kyrgyz, Piacenza versus Fenerbahce, like there are Narbon versus Skrabelkatov. Like there are good matches going on in the CEV Cup, and we cannot watch them. The CEV has these broadcast standards that they say that every match has to be produced to the elite, like top Champions League level, or else you can't broadcast them at all. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Let us watch the matches. Let us watch the matches. Why are you taking away the opportunity to watch good volleyball? Guys, it's really freaking simple out here. You need one co- one camera. You put it at the yep. back of the court, okay? You just get the whole thing. We don't need any of this side bull crap, okay? None of that. Make sure we zoom it in once once it's behind, okay? There's nothing worse than the behind shot, even the super lega. Why am I watching 25% of the screen? So why is there? Why can I see more crowd than the screen? Zoom it in a little bit. You know, if you want a good a good um, guide, use my videos on on volleyball source. Try to get as much of the court as possible, and just let it go. Scoreboard, one or two commentators, one camera. Make it a good camera. You know, you don't need a webcam. Go out and spend like a couple of grand on a good camera that's going to be able to go. You know, HD, 180, 60 frames a second. That's all you need. Like none of this garbage. Like like we just want to watch volleyball. I just want to watch volleyball. That's, that's I just all want to watch do. volleyball. I would absolutely watch Modena versus Arcus Izmir tomorrow if I could. I would absolutely oh, watch that. One camera setup, hundred percent. Oh my god, uh, totally. The, the the we just we want to watch the volleyball. We would rather watch it in with with one camera than not watch it at all. CEV. Because, if you're because listening. guess what, I'm going to go watch it on volleyball metrics anyways from a baseline, from baseline. With, with no sound. Crazy, crazy that they're that they're taking away good CEV Cup matches that we could be watching, but we're not. And so, if if CEV, if you really want the, to people to take seriously the CEV Cup but and the Challenge don't. Cup, 
broadcast the games. But they don't. Oh, they don't want worst. to take it seriously, right? Like we know this firsthand. We've we have we've heard the stories. We've 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 seen behind that back room. We know how how things work. Yes, we do. They, they care. They care about one thing, and that's padding their pockets. Yeah. Right? Why Why do you guys think the European volleyball show isn't back this year? Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Man. Like like the like the the fact of the matter that that board members pad their pockets and like this different employees there pad their pockets. Like, come on, guys. Like, let's let's get in there. Figure it let's out. Figure it yeah, out. Man, that organization misses Dan Manili so much. It's crazy. Uh, last but not least, Everett, the last thing we've got to talk about on this show is a very important topic for North Americans. You just did a podcast right before this talking about this very thing. It is the NCAA Women's Volleyball Tournament. It is time for what Everett calls the best product in all of volleyball. And I don't know if I will totally agree with that, but I really, really like the NCAA Women's Volleyball Tournament. This is the university system in the States. It is 64 teams single elimination and it starts this week uh, i think thursday december 1st uh, the round is 64 uh, by by the next show we do we'll be down to 16 teams uh the number one seeds the university of texas the university of wisconsin the reigning champs stanford who's won like three of the last six years and then louisville who went to the final four last year so great 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 volleyball get in the discord if you're not american we'll try and help you watch these games this is an extremely fun tournament very That's, good broadcast, especially towards the end. You're going to want to follow along with this. Yeah, 100%. Um, I know if you're American, lucky you. For some reason, this is the most gate-kept event in all of volleyball, and it's the hardest one to watch. Like, all maybe, American sports are like that. American like, I don't, sports broadcasting is really frustrating. Like, hey, guys, the, the, the world exists outside of you. You know that? Like, come on. Um, but, but yeah, so uh, I do know that there's a certain member of the Discord who will be uh, – streaming some matches on his discord channel um i've offered it to to him to promote it so if if he wants to uh he will um and others if you uh, if you're able to stream it on discord or on twitch or something hey let us watch bro let us i just want to watch the ball let us watch the volleyball let us let us watch the volleyball i'm interested to see though like are any of these brackets or are any of them being streamed like like Wisconsin? Is that going to be played on the Big Ten Network? Are we going to get the Wisconsin regional on Volleyball World TV? I don't Questions think that we need so. to know. I think that's that's a, a, an absolute slam dunk step for Volleyball TV next year is to get the NCAA 100%. tournament on there. I don't I don't 100%. think I don't think you're going to get that internationally this year. It's I'm but lucky like, to not have this problem. But uh, if you can watch this tournament, you should. It's is very. There, is, is there an NCAA tournament that has more international interest? Like, of course, like, like, like the, like, like basketball and, and football, like they have like the, the pedigree, but they, they have more international interest than women's volleyball. Because is there any other, is there any other NCAA tournament where you, you have the best players who are going to finish their league and then they are going to be going playing at the top level in the best leagues a month later? Right? We is saw there, it all last year. We talked about it, it so multiple much years. last year. Multiple, multiple players, years. Right. Players going immediately from the NCAA tournament in December to the best leagues in Europe in January. But, we see it but all the time. We're like, going to see it again. Athletes are like Anna Schreck, who's like one of the, the big – she was the finals MVP last year for Wisconsin. Canadian girl. She's going to be absolutely crazy for us. Can't wait to see her on the national team. But she's an athlete who started her schooling early in the spring semester. She finished high school early so she could start university early, get into training so she can graduate school as she finishes her 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 degree, and that that's how they do it now. It's it's incredible. So and yeah, they like, all try and finish up in December. It's a great idea. 
hundred percent. Like watching, like there's there's so much, and like you've got Julia Bergman's playing in the, in oh, this tournament. Like amazing. like uh, what was it? Volleyball Magazine put out that list earlier in the year of all the international players. There's so many. There's there like there's no there there can't be another tournament like maybe soccer that has as many international players as uh, women's volleyball. So yeah. I'd love to see it on Volleyball World TV. Yeah, you're going to want to watch this. Uh, tell us about the interview you did uh, just before this, Everett. Oh, yeah. It was super fun. Caitlin Genovi, she's the volunteer assistant coach for the Houston Cougars. You're going to see them just kind of on the left-hand side there, that fifth seed. They're going to be taking on South Dakota in the first round uh, in that Creighton bracket uh, down there. Um, and, you know, Caitlin is is someone that I've known for a long time. Her and I go way back. She was a setter up here in Canada, played for the McMaster Marauders uh, around the same time that Stephen Marr was there. Uh, then she played professionally in France, uh, has came back, spent some time coaching uh, here in Canada. And she's just dialed in, uh, as you said, fifth ranked uh, seed heading into the tournament. And she was just a wealth of knowledge. She helped me breaking down break some things down she said iowa state is a team that just took down texas right before this tournament started yes, so like you're did. taking you're taking down the number one team um like th that's a, a team to be out watch out for she really likes kentucky she thinks kentucky might come out of that uh um um out of yeah, their which, bracket which uh, as well in? too kentucky won the national championship just like two years ago so yeah that's exactly it's been there before so yeah, there's and there's definitely some teams to watch. Unfortunately, she said, Rob, that your Boilermakers are, are having a bit of a rough year, bit of a, a bit of a down a down year for them. That's yeah, that, um, that's okay. This was supposed to be a rebuilding year for my beloved Purdue Boilermakers. Uh, they have a lot of freshmen in the starting lineup. They lost a lot to graduation last year. So actually, if it's for them to be seated is a pleasant surprise. Uh, they're an eight seed okay. in Louisville's region. And I have a question about this. My one gripe about the NCAA women's volleyball bracket is how these seedings are determined. So you see like in within every corner, like there's those four corners of the bracket, like four mm -hmm. brackets of 16. Every one of them has seeds one through eight. So there are four one seeds, four two seeds, four three seeds, et cetera, et cetera. So Purdue is an eight seed in, in Louisville's bracket. So that would put them between seed 29 and 32 overall in the whole tournament. That's somewhere between 29 and 32 overall. They're ranked, Purdue is ranked 19th in the latest AVCA poll. Why is there a double digit discrepancy in their ranking and their seed in the tournament? That makes absolutely no sense. Also, Stanford, so Stanford has a very easy bracket in general, but they have by far the hardest first round matchup with Pepperdine, who, like, why is a one seed ever playing a good at large bid team in the first round? That makes no sense. So, if we're going to yeah. do this, if we're going to do the 64 bracket thing properly, do it like men's basketball does and get those seeds and rankings dialed in. We got to be better yes. about that. 100%. Absolutely. Let's get a proper 1 through 64 seed. None of these four no, like like that's that's garbage. Let's get a proper 1 through 64. None of this hiding behind of this this half ass. 100% on that. However, the AVCA and the NCAA no link. They knew not to work together. There, there, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing going on there. That is the true. AVCA <laughs> is a coach's poll, right? right? It's, it's, I, 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 I poll the coaches and they tell me who's the best. The NCAA works off an RPI system. So everything that comes into account with like who you're playing, what their strength of schedule is, what your strength of schedule is. That's why you're seeing these teams who build their preseason as they do, because they need to make sure that they're hitting certain that they're, they're hitting certain marks so that because if, if you're if you're a team that wants to get like an at-large bid coming into this tournament you need to have 
you you need to have played some of the top teams, right? right? Like if, if you're not playing a ranked team and, and you're out there, like you're going to have a hard time if you're not getting a direct bid. So that's why we're seeing those discrepancies. But I do 100% agree with you. Absolutely. We need a one through 64 ranking system. This, this, no, it's just not good. It's, it's, it's Bush league NCAA. It's, it's truly Bush league. Yeah. Figure that part out. But other than that, this is this bracket, this whole tournament is a pretty darn good product and it's very Love fun it. to watch. And we, we really encourage you, especially when the final four comes around, we'll talk about it in a couple of weeks to preview it and react to it. That is amazing volleyball in an amazing atmosphere. So uh, we're going to cover the tournament over the next couple of weeks here on the show, uh, but put it on your radar and watch it. If you can, we'll try and help you out in the discord. What do we let's go? Let's go to the final four. Let's go to a live show from the final let's four. Let's go. Uh, I think it's in Omaha, if I remember right. Uh, they, what they always is. do is is they put the AVCA convention, which Everett said is, is, a, is a, a the American Volleyball Coaches Association. They have a big convention every December where every volleyball coach from all over the country gets there. And then they have the NCAA final four there, which is awesome because you are you have thousands and thousands of volleyball knowledgeable butts and seats and it creates an amazing atmosphere so they do a good job with that uh yeah maybe we can get ourselves there that'd be fun anyone want to sponsor us we're, we're waiting uh, our dms are open <laughs> our, our dms are open uh let us know if yes if, if yeah if, if you if you can bring us to omaha that would be amazing or if you are a fan of the show and you want to help us produce some content uh get in our dms on instagram or at 9x9 volleyball uh, last but not least, join the volleyball source Discord. Uh, a lot and going I, on. Just get in there. Get in there. That's where that's that's where it's that, all that should be a no brainer. At this no point, brainer. it's it's yeah. a constant. Like I don't even. It's 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 its own entity. Like we have no control over it. Like that's, <laughs> it's like it's it's after pr- pr- number one thing we need is a producer for the show. Number two, we might need to start paying some mods because uh, we might need some mods for the show. Find love on the best dating site woohoo let's go um, oh, did we get spammed we yes did, we did, awesome we, we did just get spammed i love it uh, when this happens but truly though because the, the 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 i love how and each little subsection has just created its own little identity and culture too I, I love it it's it's a great spot um but also if you're watching this damn video still now like the damn video like you you watch the whole thing we're at the end now we're about to sign off just like the damn video please press the, the thumbs we, up button like, that we've 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 like had over like hundreds of people tune in on only eight likes on the flip side if you don't like us tell us why in the chat (laughs) Uh, i think we got to get back to assigning people uh, a question that we want them to answer Mm. in the comments after the show and this one is who do you think will win the ncaa uh, if you have an NCAA team that you like, if you know anything about the NCAA, even if you don't know anything about the NCAA, look through the bracket. Tell us in the comments after the show is over who you think is going to win. Who's your pick, Everett? Who do you got? Oh, I'm going Wisconsin again. Absolutely, yeah? I want them. That's I want them to go back, mostly because for for a few reasons. First of all, Anna Schmreck, Canadian girl, she's like the everything that's happening with the Canadian women's national team, and then you're adding on. She was the MVP of the finals last year. She's like six foot eight and is a former ballerina and moves like a butterfly and stings like a bee. You know, <laughs> um, she is is fantastic. I and I want to see them do it again, and especially because all of the drama and all of that bullshit that happened around their team and their championship from from last year. Yes. I just want to see them do it again. Like we don't even need to talk about it. We don't need to bring it up because it's it's disgusting. It's bullshit that that shit even got leaked. But go go back there and do it again. Take the same same damn picture and shove it into everyone's face because I think that's fucking awesome. 
That, that would be pretty electric. Uh, I will not be picking Texas. I think they're going to choke. I actually would pick them to lose to Georgia Tech in the in the Sweet 16. Julia Bergman. Yep. Uh, I think that Nebraska has a low-key decent chance to make the Final Four again there in Louisville's quadrant. Um, but my pick is Stanford. Uh, I think that Stanford has the easiest road. They have the least road bumps by far in their region. And I think that, so they're on the same side of the bracket as Texas, who I just said, I think is going to lose early. So I could see Stanford playing in the final and I think they'll beat whoever, uh, whoever gets there across from them. So Stanford's my pick, Wisconsin's Everett's pick. Uh, We'll probably be both dead wrong. Uh, We'll see as the, as the tournament goes on. Caitlin, Uh, Caitlin picked uh, um, Stanford to lose to Kentucky. Okay. Okay, I, I don't, I don't hate that pick. That's the nice thing about if you're unfamiliar with NCAA sports when we when we do these 64 team brackets, uh, the the college basketball one is the most famous. It's just chaos. It's utter chaos. There are upsets everywhere. It's it's crazy stuff all the way around. There's always a couple Cinderella teams. Uh, incredibly fun and difficult to predict. So part of what makes it uh, worth watching. So get in the Discord. We'll help you figure out places to watch it. Yeah, for sure. And I need to go check if I've uh, burnt my house down. I put my girlfriend's dinner in the oven before she before the show came on because I thought she was coming home. She just messaged me that she's not. So see you guys. Bye. <laughs> Bye, Everett. I uh, hope you don't have an apartment fire going on. Uh, thanks for watching, boys and girls. We'll see you same time, same place next Tuesday. Peace.